as many of you know, um, a few years ago, I had a, an overwhelming burden to, to reach out to some folks who had been deceived by a particular man who was on the radio teaching about the end of the world was coming. And it was a new prediction. And I, re I reached out not knowing who it would affect or who it would touch. And, and it came by Facebook. I set up a web page. And it was simply called A Help Understanding Christianity and the Bible. And I began to write certain articles and post certain videos and, and, and copy certain um, 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 sermons preached by many of our Primitive Baptist uh, ministers so that at least there will be another voice in the, the sea of confusion. And for the longest time, there was absolutely nothing but contention, rejection of the simplicity of the gospel, the simplicity of the truth that Jesus Christ came and paid for the sins of his people. They were chosen in him before foundation of the world, and for them alone did he die. And that his work was perfect, and that nothing you can do, nothing you can say, Nothing, no money that you have can actually add to or take away from that finished perfect work of Jesus Christ. There's rest and comfort in that message. And it may sound simple and repetitive, but I need to hear it every day. I need to be reminded that though I fall, he shall lift me up. Because without him, I have no hope. And I've been reminded of that perfect work of Jesus Christ. That gives me strength to go through each and every day because I am a sinner and in desperate need of his mercy and his grace. And the moment we forget that, we begin to walk in our own strength, we actually are nullifying in our conscience the work of Christ. We so desperately need the reminder of his blood. So I got discouraged over a long period of time because it was all contention. And finally, this one young man reached out and asked a sincere question. He said, thank you, Lord. That was after praying and becoming discouraged. Do you want me to continue to do that? And there was this young man named Dominic in Sierra Leone. I don't even know where that was. And I began to converse with him and sitting at the dining room table and on, the, on the laptop talking to him and communicating with him. And he was asking very, very good pointed questions. And his desire to help his people to know this simple truth was deep in his heart. <clears throat> and I gave him some websites to look at, some sermons to listen to. He had no data. So we had to communicate everything by the text message. Over there, when you buy a cell phone, you get Facebook included in your in your monthly fee and that's the only data you're allowed to use so whatever communication must be over facebook there's no internet access other than that so we did that for the longest time <clears throat> and it got to the point where we began to talk about somebody going over to preach to them because he wanted to be baptized and um through time, it just it, it developed like like Elder Blade said that Elder Vernon Johnson had a work in, in Africa and um, so I communicate with Elder Johnson, and, um, and he said, yeah, he had a minister already in Kenya who could actually go to Sierra Leone and baptize Dominic. And um, the question became, would it become an arm of Mount Carmel, or would it become an arm of the church in Kenya, or the, or the church at, at um, Elder Johnson's church? And um, as it is now, as you know, in August, we, we baptized 36 folks in, in Sierra Leone, Freetown, Wellington, um, and that is an extension of the church in Kenya, Elder um, Martin's church, Tony Martin's. And so a second meeting was also planned in December of last year, and that had to be canceled um, for a lot of reasons. 
and it was it was near near the point where we were not going to follow through. And um, suddenly a door opened up through prayer, and I'm thankful for the prayers of everybody here. Um, that a door did open up, and the flight costs were dramatically reduced. And Elder Johnson seized on that opportunity and bought the ticket. And um, Elder Martin was able to fly to Sierra Leone um, for the last two weeks. He left last night, and he's actually on his way back now to Kenya. He should be there about 10 o'clock our time tonight. So pray for his journey would be safe. Um, so he made this journey to Sierra Leone for the second time. And if you remember right, the last time in, in August, Dominic, the very person we went over there to baptize, followed his desire to be baptized in obedience to Jesus Christ. Um, he was not able to be baptized. He came down with malaria. He became deathly ill. And, um, and typhus. And so he, he, was, he was the subject, the real main thrust of the reason of going over there, and he was not able to be baptized. And that was the purpose of the second trip. So Elder Martin goes over there a second time. He, he, we, we hold meetings and going over the groups that were baptized in August, reaffirming them in the faith, strengthening them in the, in the, doctrine, the doctrines of grace, and a great fellowship. And then the next journey was on to the village, which is in Bow District. And the village is very remote and very difficult to get to. Um, <clears throat> so they spent about a week there. And while they were there, they baptized 60 folks. Now, there were two other villages. Sister Greenfield, your encouragement is greatly appreciated. <clears throat> Thank you. Um, there are two other villages that came to attend. These are Christian churches in these other villages. But there are Christian churches that teach, do, and receive. <clears throat> Act this way and God will reward you. Act this way, you will go to hell. Okay? So they were under the hearing of the doctrines of grace for the very first time at the invite of Dominic as a guest of their village. And many of those folks heard. So I was, I was curious about how many were actually going to be following through and be baptized. So there were 60 that were actually baptized. And, um, and there were more who said, we, we need to study this more to make sure that it is correct because we've been deceived before. And I can understand that, that thought process. So there will be another trip yet planned, hopefully this year. Um, in addition to that, prayers would, would be appreciated for um, Elder Johnson and Elder Sam Bryant are planning to bring Elder um, um, Martin over to the United States here. And so I communicated with them yesterday and asked them that I would like also to include this Northeast sector in that tour with Dominic as well. So pray that the, enough funds will be raised to allow them to come over here and we could actually house them up here to visit the various churches. It'll have between June and November sometimes. It's, it's a, a very loose plan right now. So keep that in your prayers that these men will be able to come over and be an encouragement to us and we can be an encouragement to them because their poverty is something we can't imagine. Elder Martin said to me, he said, um, Brother Cook, we, we communicate by a, an app called WhatsApp and you can see video phone and we can actually talk to one another and see one another. He said, this is the hardest, most difficult mission he's ever been on. The, the village was so remote. It's a four-hour journey over rock, rough, rocky, muddy roads into a, into a village where the food they eat is whatever they can get from the, the area, fish and nuts and so forth. He said, they eat things you wouldn't imagine eating to, to survive. But yet, I was impressed by this one thing, and Sister Greenfield can testify this, and anyone else who's looked on the Facebook page can testify. You look at those folks in that church building, 
that Dominic had a vision three years ago to build, didn't know he was building it for. Primitive Baptist people met there for the first time ever. There had not been a church meeting in that building ever. And it was Dominic's vision before he ever met me to build that building for his people in his village. And Elder Martin said this is the most difficult journey he's ever made. And he said the food there was horrible. He said, I would not recommend you eating the food. He says, no Westerner could make that trip. <laughs> See, that must be pretty severe. Remember, at the last meeting in August, if you remember right, Dominic walked 20 miles after he couldn't go no longer on motorbike. How many of us would be willing to walk 20 miles just to preach to some people? That's a real calling and a dedication to the Lord Jesus Christ to, to free the minds of his elect people that have been born again by, their, by his spirit. So there were 60 folks baptized. There's a plan to bring them over here, and there's a plan to go back over there yet once more. And um, pray that the Lord will open Dominic's mind and to cause him to rejoice even more in the truth and become a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ and serving his people. Because there's a real need of ministry there, real need of continual teaching. Because really, after all, what is, what is Christianity anyway? It's about learning what Christ has done for us and how we, in response, to live for him. It's instructional knowledge. I, I was looking online yesterday. What does the world do with guilt? You pave over it. You appease it. You do drugs. You do alcohol. You do whatever to get rid of guilt. But the real remedy is what? What do we know? The gospel of Jesus Christ. That seems too simple, but yet it's very real. If it wasn't for the gospel of Jesus Christ, how many of us would have any hope? It's a precious, precious truth and a precious word. That leads me into my next topic. <clears throat> and the Lord will bless me to just briefly cover it. Um, I was struck a few months ago with a scripture in Jonah 2.8 where it says, They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. Think about that. In order to have mercy, you must be his. In order to be guilty of observing lying vanities, you must have your eyes on the wrong thing. And if you've got your eyes on the wrong thing, what are you doing to yourself? You're forsaking your own mercy. The opposite of that is put your eyes on Jesus Christ and on his word and learn from him and receive mercy and grace every single day to live life victoriously and joyfully in the spirit of God. That's the very reason in, in Acts chapter 26 it says, um, this is the reason why Paul was actually sent out by the Lord himself. And we see this manifested in this work in Sierra Leone, in this work in Frederick, in this work in the Philippines, in this work, there's also new news too. There's going to be, Lord willing, an, a primitive Baptist fellowship established in the United Kingdom in a place called Doncaster, hopefully this year. So be prayerful, prayerful for that. The Lord is moving amongst his people. Amen. He is moving amongst his people because this truth is precious. This truth is one, and the world does not have this message. They have something that sounds like it, but it doesn't have the same effect. It sounds the same, but it is not the same. 
And Jesus Christ in Acts chapter 26, Paul says in verse 15, he says, And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister. Now Jesus could do this himself. He didn't need Paul. But he's so merciful and so gracious to allow us to bear the message. I, I charge us all to share this message whenever you... Don't let fear restrain you from being honest and grateful and joyful about sharing the message of Jesus Christ. Because you're in doing so, by getting over that fear, you're allowing someone else liberty and freedom and love of your Savior. For this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness of both these things which thou hast seen and of those things which in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles to whom I now send thee. We're witnessing right now the Gentiles. Remember, salvation was of the Jews. God had always hidden this from the world. It was not his plan or purpose to deliver this message of liberty to the Gentile worlds, those that sat in darkness. Those that sat in darkness is the Gentile world. Who had the light of the scriptures? Only the Jews. Salvations of the Jews. Where did Jesus Christ come from? The Jews. So salvation was of the Jews until this new kingdom came. It goes on to verse 18. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan. What is the power of Satan? We're talking about a practical living experience. What is the power of Satan? The power of Satan is guilt. The fear of death. What does truth do? It overturns guilt. It replaces it with forgiveness. It overturns doubt and it replaces it with truth. It gives us the very instruments that we need to live life. This is the love of God manifested in the sacrifice of his son. One, putting away our sins legally. But we're still bound up in the conscience. We're still bound up under the wisdom of this world. So God sends his ministers, particularly Paul to the Gentiles, to free their minds, to open their eyes. Because they're sitting in darkness. They have eyes, but they cannot see. They have open eyes, but they can't see. It says, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive the forgiveness of sins. This is not a, a legal receiving the forgiveness of sins. This is a practical receiving it. Do you believe the gospel? And if you believe the gospel, what is the gospel? Christ has paid for your sins. Fear not, for I have loved thee with an everlasting love. And to the inheritance among which the, um, and, and, <clears throat> excuse me, may receive the forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith, that is in me. And I, I think about, that's a simple idea, that a truth, a word communicated, that it's not my thoughts, it's not my ideas, this message came from whom? Jesus Christ. <clears throat> For I have appointed thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister, to be a witness of things which thou hast seen, of those things which I, which I will appear unto thee. So the very things that Paul's preaching is not coming from his own mind. It's a message that's given to him by Jesus Christ to communicate to us. 
For what purpose? To free our minds, to give us liberty, to give us joy, to offer praise of thanksgiving to him. It's a simple thing, but it's a powerful message. Very powerful. It's contrary to our normal wisdom. What, what do we normally want to do? Who, who remembers our first experiences of being guilty before God? The first thing you wanted to do was do something to get rid of that guilt. First thing you wanted to do was, how can I make it right with God? And the answer comes back, you can't. You're hopeless. Apart from Jesus Christ, we have no hope. So it's a simple message, but what does it do? It resonates in our minds, it goes in our ears, in our minds, and down into our hearts. And the result is joy. Now think about that. And what's the very next thing that Jesus commands us to do? To arise and be baptized. Why? Seems contrary to normal wisdom. Why be baptized? I thought we were already forgiven. But it's as an evidence that we're dying to ourselves. We had no solution for our sin. But through the message of the gospel, God gave us the solution for our sins. And so we're willingly become obedient to him. So what's the lying vanity that we're talking about Jonah? Jonah did what? God told him to do what? To go into Nineveh and preach. No, Jonah said, no, I won't do that. What was he observing? His own thoughts. A lying vanity is anything that does not come from God's word that we have our eyes focused on and our minds focused on. That we think is good wisdom, but it doesn't match up with God's word. So a lying vanity, beware of Because we should have our eyes always focused on the Lord Jesus Christ and on his word and making his kingdom first. God bless you. Appreciate what Brother Cook has brought forth and desire and interest in your prayers the time that we stand before you. The hymn that we just sang, God Has Been My Refuge Daily, was written by Elder David Bridgman. Uh, Elder Bridgman had, um, if I'm not mistaken, terminal cancer in his latter years. And yet the Lord sustained him, held him up, and helped him through his illness. God has been my refuge daily. God has been my hiding place. He will ever lead me onward. He will take me home at last. He knows all my joys and sorrows. He knows all my trials and cares. He knows all my sins and errors. Yet for me, he daily cares. He has taught my heart to love him while he found me deep in sin. Yet he loved me long before then, even before the world began. All my days I want to serve him. He has been so good to me. Every day shall be to praise him long his breath remains in me. What is a refuge? Anybody know what a refuge is? We need Laura to help us out. She knows all the terms. A refuge is a place of safety. But did you know if you go and you look up the word refuge, it not only is a place of safety, it is also a condition. Psalm 46, verse 1, great little psalm, 11 verses here. We'll go through these 11 verses, and I pray the Lord will bless us and 
then a few other areas in the book of Psalm. Does, does anybody ever need a refuge? If you don't, then things must be going pretty good. You must not ever have any problems. You must not ever have any discouragements. I don't know about you, but self is enough discouragement for me. I don't have to look around very far. I just look at myself. That's the, that's the greatest discouragement of all is self. Do, do you ever need a place of safety? Do you ever need a place of deliverance? I, I go back to the classic phrase that Sister Lee told us. It was on a New Year's Eve, uh, December 31st, as we were singing hymns down in the basement. And we were ringing in the new year by singing hymns and having prayer. And we were talking about how that the Lord dealt with us individually at different points in our life. And I'll never forget, she said, you know... I've never had a problem going to church since the Lord taught me what my need was. When the Lord teaches us our need, we realize that there's something larger than ourselves that we stand in need of. That there's something that there's something missing with us. And that we need something other than ourselves, or something other than we can accomplish or something other than we've accomplished in the past. That there's a need and when the Lord shows us what our need is, we don't have any problem going to the house of the Lord. We don't have any problem reading his word or singing hymns of praise because it takes us outside of ourselves when, when we're taught our need and we realize that the help for our need is in something other than ourselves. The psalmist says, <coughs> excuse me, God is our refuge. I, I, I'm glad to know that we can come before the Lord's people and we can encourage you to know that there is a place of safety, there is a place of deliverance. There is a place of security, a place of comfort, a place of help, and that that place is in the Lord. It was real sweet yesterday when Sister Margaret and Sister Elizabeth gave a real sweet eulogy or testimony about their grandmother. And I don't remember which one it was. I think it was Elizabeth. But she talked about how that when she was a little girl and she went to her grandmother's house as a little girl that uh, in West Virginia that... that uh, uh, at nighttime, her grandmother would come in and talk to her and share a story with her and tuck her in bed and pile up about 20 quilts on top of her. But she said that even though it was a, a cold surrounding all around, even though there was anxiety all around, it was a place of safety and a place of security. And that's what the psalmist is saying right here, that in the midst of this chaotic world in which we're living in, if you think it's not chaotic, all you have to do is pick a news channel and turn it on. And you don't have to listen to it but five minutes. And I don't care which channel you turn it to. You pick your own. You'll realize just how, uh, how much chaos there is. And in the midst of all of this chaos, 
in the midst of all this anxiety, in the midst of all this stress. Anybody ever get stressed out? I'm so glad you don't. Now, I know that Elsa does because she's a teacher and she has good authority to get stressed out. I know that surely Carla does, even though I've never seen her stressed out. She surely gets stressed out. One day, uh, I, 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 was, I was heading down 22 after church on, on Wednesday night, and, uh, and I saw Sister Carla's van pulled off to the side of the road across from the Wawa up here, and I thought, she's had car trouble. And uh, so I, I pull up behind, and I'm, I'm concerned that something bad had happened, and I don't know if I called or texted or... Or knocked on the window. I don't remember what it was, but she just calmly said, "Oh, I'm disciplining the children." <laughs> I just don't think Carla gets upset. I've never, never witnessed that. But she got a right to eight precious children. But I tell you what: in the midst of all this chaos, in the midst of all this anxiety. In the midst of not knowing which way is right in the direction of the country and so many, many things. In the midst of your own confusion about self, about parenting, about being a student. In the midst of all of this, God is our refuge. The psalmist says, God is our refuge. That means in the midst of all of this, God is our place of safety, security, deliverance. But also if, if, if refuge is a condition, that God is our condition of safety. You're in him. You're secure in Christ. Everything around you and in your life might be falling apart, but God has you in his hands. Satan can only attack you so much. If you remember, if you remember that, uh, that, that Job, uh, even though Job, Job didn't understand it, Job didn't see the hedge, Job didn't understand the, the, the extent of that hedge, that when Satan wanted to attack Job, he could only go so far because God had a hedge of protection about Job. And did you know that God has a, has a hedge of protection about you because you're his child, you're his purchased and precious possession, and God's got a hedge of protection about you. And Satan can only go so far. First of all, Satan can't steal your salvation. Amen. That's secure in Jesus Christ. Now, Satan could go all the way up to that point. You're still in good shape. Even if he could touch your life, your eternal destiny and your salvation is secure in Christ. So Satan can't touch that. I don't know about you, but he plays with my mind a lot of times. I'm sure he doesn't mess with yours, but he does mine sometimes. But even when my mind is, as Brother Compton used to say, my mind slipped out of gear. Even when our mind slips out of gear, did you know that we're still secure in Christ and in the Lord? Let's look at what he says right here. Great, great psalm. 
God is our refuge and God is our strength. Now, I expect that Bray doesn't realize that he needs strength outside his own strength. He's just a pretty strong fellow. These young folks look up to him. But you tack a few years on to Bray or anyone else, and you'll realize that, that uh, you just don't have all the strength that you need. We don't have the strength that we stand in need of to stand against the fiery darts of Satan on our own. If you, if you think for a minute that you can stand on your own against the fiery darts of Satan, against the temptations of sin, if you think for a minute that you can stand on your own, then you're immediately deceived. Because you can't stand on your own. That's just a good principle to finally understand up front that we can't stand on our own strength. So if we can't stand on our own strength, is it helpless? Absolutely not. The psalmist starts out and he says, God is our strength. God is our deliverer. God is our refuge. He is our strength. And then he says something else. He says, and a very present help in trouble. Now, I like how he says it right there. He just simply means that God is there to help you and he's there right now. He's there for whatever your problem is, whatever your difficulty is, no matter how big it is, no matter how dark it is, no matter how deep it is, God is there to help you and he's there to help you right now. A very present help. I like that, that he's there for us right now. Look at what he says. You say, well, I've got a pretty big problem right now. I don't know if it's financial. I don't know if it's family. I don't know if it's work-related. I don't know if it's self-related. I'm not sure. But if anybody has a big problem, let's compare it to a couple of things right here. You take the biggest problem that you have, and we're going to compare it to a few things right here. Say, I've got a big problem. And you know what? Everybody's is the biggest. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I've got the biggest. I really do. Mine's bigger than yours. I, I feel like it is. But it's not this big. Let's look at what he says right here. He says, God is our refuge. God is our strength. God is our present help in trouble. He says, therefore, will not we fear? Anybody ever fear? Well, this is for you if, if you do. If you ever fear... This is for you. He says, therefore will we, will not we fear, though the earth be removed. Is your problem bigger than that? Though the earth be removed, though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. I haven't witnessed that. That's a pretty big tragedy, uh, a, a, a pretty big occurrence. He said, though the earth be removed, though the mountains carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled. I, 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 I like witnessing the folks enjoy the water and I get a, a, as much pleasure watching them as they do, I think, being in the water. But, but I don't want to be in the water when the water is troubled at all. I, I, if I'm going to be in it, it's going to be calm or, or I'm not going to be in it. And, but if it's troubled, it causes anxiety with me. And here he says that even though the waters be troubled, the waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. He says even though those things may be happening, 
Even though everything around you may appear that it's falling apart, that it's out of control, you yourself are in a good condition. You're in a good situation because God is your condition. He is your refuge. God is also your place of safety, your place of security. You can run to the Lord. You can hide in the Lord. You can cleave to the Lord. And He's there to help you all the time. And He says He's there to help you right early. That means immediately. There is a river, and the streams thereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. I think that could be, I think, that's, I think that could be referred to his dwelling place, his church, his kingdom, Zion, God's holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. He says there's, there's, there's a river and there's streams thereof that, that shall make glad. And, and when the Lord blesses with his presence, with the Holy Spirit, whether it's in the singing of hymns, which, whether it's in the preaching of the gospel, whether it's in a prayer service, with the blessing of his Holy Spirit, it makes us glad. It makes us better. It makes us encouraged. It makes us have hope. He says that It'll make, us, it'll make us glad, the city of God. You, you know, I, I, I don't know if you've recognized it. I feel like I have. My preaching's changed through the last 25 years. And, and you may be thinking it's changing for the worse. But, but the, the focus of it has changed, at least when I'm studying or when I'm preparing for a message. I used to think that, uh, and, and, and y'all were so patient, so long-suffering, so kind. I used to think that, that, that the responsibility of a minister was to, to get up and just every week tell folks how depraved we really are. Because the scripture is not silent on that, and, and, and we are guilty, and we are sinners, and we are depraved. But you know what? If God's dealt with us, we know we're depraved sinners. When we read God's word, it, it does manifest it and it highlights it with us. But I believe that there's a whole lot in God's word to help depraved sinners be encouraged. To help depraved sinners have encouragement in the Lord to get from Monday until the next Sunday. To be a Barnabas, to be an encourager in the Lord. We know we're not deserving. We're not deserving of the Lord's mercies. My goodness, if we we never received another blessing again, we've already had more than we deserve. We know that. But God wants us. I I, I don't want, I, I hate to say God wants. God doesn't want anything. God's plan for us is to live a victorious life over sin. Not that we're going to be sinless, but that we're able to, in 
enjoy life. Some folks feel like you just got to go around with a sad look on your face all the time and, 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 and like you've lost your last friend and that that, that that is holy. That's sad. We're given clear instruction in God's word to rejoice in the Lord. And he says it a second time because there's some of us that are a little bit slow. And he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And he says, and again I say rejoice. If you missed it the first time, I want you to understand that your life as a Christian is to be victorious through Christ. Not yourself, but through Christ. And you can actually live a life and rejoice in the Lord. You can. Well, he says God's in the midst of her. Verse forty, verse 5 says God is in the midst of her and she shall not be moved. Are you ever tossed to and fro? He says right here that God is our anchor. God is our strength. God is our help. God is in the midst of her, I believe his church, his people. And it says, and she, shall, and, and she shall not be moved. God shall help her. I like this. God shall help her and that right early. The heathen raged. Wow, that's not a new thing. Uh, they're still raging. They're raging and now they have a mouthpiece to rage. And now they have a media outlet to rage. It is not a new thing that the heathen rage. That's what heathens do. They rage. Now they just have more outlets to rage. But he says, even though the heathens are raging... He says, the heathens raged and and, and kingdoms were moved. And he uttereth his voice and the earth melteth. But he says, the Lord of hosts is with us. I I, I am so encouraged. And I like to encourage others to know that no matter what you're going through with at any particular time, that God not only knows what you're going through with, but God cares. And here's what he says. He says, he says, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. He says that God's right there in the midst of our trial, in the midst of our difficulty. He's right there with us. He says, come and behold the works of the Lord and what desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow. And cutteth the spear in sunder. And burneth the chariot in fire. And then verse 10. And this is so good for us. He says. Be still. That's for folks that are always on the go all the time. Or. That's for folks that their minds are always turning all the time. Even when maybe your body stops, your mind keeps going. That ever happen? That's for folks that are trying to always figure it out. That's for folks that are always trying to make it happen. 
He just simply says, be still. Stop. Think about it a minute. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. I think he's simply saying right here, be still and listen to God. Did you know that God would almost have to make an appointment with some folks for him to listen to him? Because, I mean, really, they're either listening to the earpieces coming out of the telephone to music or other stuff, things like that. They're listening to the TV. Some folks are not comfortable unless the TV's going on in the background, whether they're watching it or not, just to know that there's a sound and that the noise is going, just to know that it's there. Always having to listen to something. When the psalmist is saying right here, I want you to be still and I want you to listen to the Lord. May be that the reason the Lord's not speaking to us sometime is we're not listening for him. You can't just run and pray to the Lord and say, Lord, fix it right quick and then go on your way. It's a great blessing if we can tune in and listen to the Lord. Be still and know that I am God. I'll be exalted among the heathen. I'll be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. And then he says it. This is the third time that he said it, that he says this, or that it's pinned down here in this 11 verses. The Lord of hosts is with us. And the God of Jacob is our refuge. Psalm chapter, if you want to write these down, I won't read all of them, but Psalm chapter 9 and Psalm chapter 40 and Psalm chapter 48 are all really, really good psalms that will help you if you need a place of refuge, if you need encouragement, if you need help. We'll conclude with Psalm 40, a few verses. I waited patiently for the Lord. Are we looking for the direction from the Lord? Are we listening to the Lord? Are we looking at his word? I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined. That means he heard me. That means he was moved. He said, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined unto me. I, I don't take offense anymore with the term that the Lord is our personal savior because he is. It's personal. He's not only yours, but he's mine. And the psalmist said, he heard me. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined unto me and he heard my cry. He brought me also, he brought me up also out of a horrible pit. Anybody ever been in a horrible pit? 
He's talking about a life of sin. Elder Bradley, great message this morning. By the way, Lord willing, Brother Bradley is going to be with us in June, the fourth weekend at our annual meeting, if this works out. Uh, he was on the radio this morning, and he was talking about ministering to people that had totally ruined their lives by the choices that they'd made. And he pointed them to their, the help which was in the Lord. You might feel like that you're in a horrible pit and you can't get out of it. You might feel like you're in a horrible pit and you're helpless. And you may feel like you're in a horrible pit and you're going to be there the rest of your life. But the psalmist says, he said, I was in a horrible pit. He says, I was in a horrible pit. And he says, and there was miry clay. What does that mean? You know what miry clay means? I think it means that it's slippery. You try to get out of that pit and you just sink down a little bit deeper. Anybody know what quicksand is? You get in quicksand, you don't get out. You go deeper. That's what he's talking about right here. He said, I was in a deep, horrible pit. I tried to get out. And as I was pulling to the sides, the clay was slippery and miry and mucky. And all I did was get, 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 get more dirty and go deeper. You ever been there? Look at what he says. He said, when I was in this horrible, pitiful pit, he said, he heard me. He says he brought me up out of this pit. He says he set my feet upon a rock. A solid rock. A solid foundation is a good thing if you've been sinking in quicksand. Getting deeper and deeper in the miry clay. He says he lifted me up out of this horrible pit. He set my feet upon a rock. And he says, and then in addition to that, he established my goings. That's what parents try to do with their kids. But he says, here the Lord did that with me. The Lord picked me up. He put me on solid ground. And he led me in the right direction. He established my goings. And then this is so good. And he hath put a new song in my mouth. Even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear. And shall trust in the Lord. I think what he's saying here is that other people will witness the the change in my life. And it will encourage others along the way. He said the Lord's lifted me up. He's put me on a solid foundation. He's established my goings. And he's even made me rejoice in the midst of it. He put a new song in my mouth that with that song, I can praise his name. God is our refuge. God is our strength. God is our help. Our very present help in time of need. May God bless you. We're glad you've been able to listen to this podcast. We invite you to come and worship with us on a Sunday morning. Our services begin with hymn singing at 1030 a.m. Mount Carmel Primitive Baptist Church is located at 1707 Churchville Road in Bel Air, Maryland. 
If you've enjoyed this message, we invite you to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or in your favorite podcast application.